You are listening to Synergistic Step Parenting Podcast with host Maria Nadipov, helping step parents transform family chaos into meaningful and harmonious co parenting. Hi, step parents. We are continuing our conversation about sex and intimacy, this time with an expert on the topic. Rose Schlaff is a pelvic physical therapist, intimacy coach, and founder of Be Well with Rose LLC. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. When Rose and I first met, we quickly found that we were both passionate about the need to underscore and shed light on issues that aren't often discussed and often feel uncomfortable to talk about. Having more of the dialogue around gender norms and societal expectations and conditioning around these norms, as well as expectations around sex and what keeps people from having a healthy and vibrant sex life are just some of the topics we are delving into today. Stick around, it's going to be a good one. It's my pleasure to introduce to you Rose Schlaff. She believes that courageously reclaiming pleasure on a daily basis is the key to health, wealth, and happiness. Dr. Rose has spent the last six years healing women and queer leaders overcoming parenthood overwhelm so they can reclaim a deep connection with their body and their partners for years to come. Besides her coaching, Rose educates sex educators, therapists, counselors as a guest lecturer of the University of Michigan's Human Sexual Certificate Program and San Diego State University's Marriage and Family Therapy Sexuality and Intimacy course. She also lectures internationally on the topic of sexual and pelvic health. Rose is unapologetically queer and believes pleasure is her radical resistance. She lives in San Diego, California with her partner Nikki and two black cats, Shadow and Rugby, where she spends most of her time rock climbing, dancing, and exploring nature. Find the show notes for this episode at synergisticstepparenting.com forward slash 48. Here we go. Hi, we're here with Dr. Rose Schlaff. So excited to be speaking with you. We know that you are a pelvic physical therapist and an intimacy coach. Mm-hmm. So excited to be speaking because there's just so much that comes already flooding in, <laughs> at least for me when I'm with an expert such as yourself. The list is long because there are personal ways that these conversations would be really beneficial, but then there's also a lot of stuff in society that we can delve into. And then there's personally, as far as adults, but then also personally, as far as kids and how Mm -hmm. do we build that foundation for them? So all the things before I dive in, I would love for you to just maybe say a few words about how you came to this work and then we'll just dive in with the questions. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so excited to be here. First off, thank you so much for having me. And this is my all-time favorite thing to talk about because I think we just don't talk about sex, intimacy, sensitive topics that much. So I get this question a lot. How the heck did you end up here? (laughs) (laughs) So I've always been that friend that people have confided in and talked about sensitive topics with. I was getting all the time. I've never told anyone this, but here's this thing I'm embarrassed to talk about. And I think I've always had a superpower for making the uncomfortable comfortable. And I just knew that whatever I did in my work, whether I was in between, do I want to be a sex therapist? But my mom has a disability and I'd seen her go through physical therapy and seen how profoundly that changed her life and Mm -hmm. took her pain away and helped with her mobility and function. And when I figured out that pelvic floor physical therapy was a thing, I was like, oh, I can do this 
magical body healing and also talk about sensitive things having to do with the pelvis, which as a pelvic floor physical therapist, you talk about pee, poop, and sex. (laughs) (laughs) So very sensitive. And I loved it. I was in a phenomenal world-renowned facility with basically the father of modern sexual medicine, Dr. Erwin Goldstein, and a sex therapist and myself. And we all would evaluate the same patients and talk about what we found. And I professionally was in heaven and personally was struggling a lot with my own health and was incredibly frustrating for me as a medical provider with a doctorate in physical therapy. I know the human body. I know the medical system. If I cannot navigate this and get the help that I need to come to a place where I'm actually feeling like myself again, Mm -hmm. how in the heck is anybody else going to do this? And I worked with the medical system for over a year, some things helped, some things didn't. And I just became really disappointed in the stories I had heard from my patients. Most of my patients were going through pregnancy, postpartum, or having pain with intimacy. And the stories I heard about, okay, that six week checkup and you're all good and go back to all activity and no other support for the birthing parent. And, oh, you're having pain. Okay. Just try some wine. And then, you know, just add more lube and go for it. It was this feeling of, wow, people, especially people who are socialized as female are not getting enough support from Mm -hmm. the medical system. And I started searching for what was missing. Why aren't we getting this support? What else is needed? And I found my way to a functional health and functional nutrition coaching certification. And this was the first time that Not only had I been addressing my physical health through the medical system, I was addressing my mental health with psychology. And this program was the first time that I really took a wide angle lens and looked at, holy moly, this is not just an individual issue. This is the way that people who are socialized as female are trained to be. This is how we are sneakily socialized to act. It's not just me being super giving and super empathetic and overachiever and a perfectionist. These are all learned traits based on our society and what it takes to function in it and what's celebrated in it. By recognizing that it felt like, oh my gosh, I just could breathe again. I took this pressure off of myself. And I felt like that was this missing piece that I began to have conversations with my patients about of, okay, if you're feeling a lot of pressure and stress around sex, maybe it's because of the media representation of wives and mothers and the media representation about what it looks like to quote unquote, bounce back after baby or how we navigate these two roles of mother that is like super buttoned up, not sexual at all. And then we're expected at the end of the day to go and be sex goddesses. (laughs) (laughs) What on earth? How do we navigate this? Or if there was a religious component, the on off switch between you have no interest in sex at all. You are a good girl. And then you get married and you're supposed to know everything about sex and how to give your partner pleasure, let alone experience pleasure yourself. We just don't hear about that. So I think those conversations started expanding and expanding. And I started to see not only my health improve, but also 
my patients were doing far better. Not only were they feeling, okay, I feel pain-free. I guess I'll try to have sex. You know, they, they actually were feeling excited and energized by intimacy. They weren't feeling drained anymore. And they were feeling a deeper connection to their partners than they had in a long time. I started hearing from people, yeah, we're not fighting anymore about the little stuff. I've never felt this connected to my partner. And for me, I started to find wow, with my mental and physical health and also the conversations that I'm having, this is no longer fitting an insurance-based physical therapy, no. (laughs) And that's when I started my coaching practice. And now what I really specialize in is connecting the dots between, yes, it is important to address the physical. Yes, there are hormonal imbalances and nervous system changes when we are under stress and real physiological changes when we experience any psychological distress, including a breakdown of intimacy in our relationship. But how do we tie that in, not just to our emotional health, but also the culture that raised us, our ancestors, the way that our society is reflecting those values back to us in media in TV and movies? How do we structure our own values and belief systems and behaviors to start to excavate some of this unconscious damage that may have been done and get clear on, all right, maybe I didn't come up with this belief. Do I want to keep holding it or do I want to let it go? And how is it impacting me physically? So I find that connecting all these pieces gives people so much more relief than just going over here to therapy or just going over here to the OBGYN and getting some lube and just going over here to physical therapy. And I just think we have to connect the dots. So now I help women and queer leaders who feel like they are struggling with overwhelm, whether that's in their business, in their relationship, in parenthood, there's a lot of overwhelm to be had, especially in a post pandemic world and how that impacts us both in emotional and physical intimacy. And my joy is creating ease and excitement around intimacy. So my clients can reclaim pleasure in and out of the bedroom and learn how to stand in their power. That is so beautiful. I love so much about what you said. And I knew right away when we initially spoke that we connected really well because of this beautiful holistic approach. And you underscored so much of the things that I find agonizing with regard to, unfortunately, our medical system as it stands, which is so difficult to navigate and this Uh piecemeal approach to issues that never quite seem to get to the root of the thing and seem to overcomplicate most things. But I love that people like you exist and that there are these alternatives and these places where people can go and be held and truly explore and address, like you said, some of these things from a multifaceted perspective to Mm -hmm. actually start to see changes that feel really good in non-invasive ways and to start finding these solutions and reclaiming their body, their pleasure and their lives. That's so exciting. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think we need to be having these conversations. I'm so grateful that you reached out and wanted to have this conversation because it's needed. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And of course, it's probably no surprise, especially to the listeners that a lot of this awareness came to me when I became a step parent and I found myself responsible for a young lady, a young girl at that time and recognizing that suddenly there are all these awarenesses that came to me about 
some of the things you noted, like how women are expected to show up in society and these norms that suddenly are placed on us that we're expected to adhere to. And it shows up in media and it's very casually mentioned and, or talked about and, or alluded to in our everyday conversations and circles, be it at school or at work or with friends or with others that we know, family. And it was starting to really upset me because I was realizing it feels so disempowering mm. and there's a lot of also contradiction. It just didn't feel good. And I started to, at that point too connect the dots to how I was feeling at different points in my life. And I just had no clue that it was because of some of these things that were happening around me, because as you mentioned, these aren't conversations we're used to having. These aren't things we're used to underscoring and exploring. Mm -hmm. So we're not often aware of a choice or perhaps another way to use some of this. So yeah. I'm just so excited to be having this conversation to hopefully help people discover and recognize some of these patterns that maybe they've seen play out in their own lives for themselves that are no longer serving them. And also to know that there are resources available to help, but also for the sake of their kids so that hopefully they can set them up with a better foundation than what maybe we had to prevent some of these painful and frustrating and unnecessary experiences and mm -hmm. challenges that are avoidable. So Jumping right on in um, <laughs> with my first question. What do you think holds people back the most from having healthy and vibrant sex lives? In your experience, I know you've spoken to many, many people. Yes. Their varying roles. So we'd love to hear. Oh my gosh, so much. But I think I could answer this in a million ways. But what shines through for me is the idea of what it quote unquote should look like. I think that this shows up in so many different ways. And whether that's the belief that a healthy relationship has sex once a week, once a month, once a day, that belief of what it should look like, what am I supposed to be doing? Holding that up can make you feel like failure. And then when you're feeling like, oh gosh, I should be doing this this is something on my to-do list, then it becomes this obligation. Additionally, when we're in the bedroom, think about TV, media, porn. I should sound like this. I should look like this. I shouldn't have hair on my legs or in my pubic area or in my armpits. And I should taste neutral like nothing and smell like nothing and smell like flowers. And I shouldn't have any double chins or body rolls and this should be more fun. Why isn't this more fun? What am I doing wrong? Or even putting that pressure on penetration and orgasm, which I think is such a disservice to us in the intimacy space, whether you are in a heterosexual relationship or not, there is so much intimacy to be had that does not involve penetration and orgasm. And I think that when we put this goal-oriented approach on what sex should look like, what we're aiming towards, it takes all the pleasure out of the actual experience itself. I don't know if any of your listeners can resonate with that feeling of why can't I have an orgasm with penetration alone? I should be able to, or I should be able to have an orgasm more quickly or more easily. Uh, I'm too much work. Why even try? Let's move on. Or maybe your partner is responding differently. You should be having an orgasm more quickly. What's wrong? Do you not, are you not attracted to me? What's happening? Am I doing it wrong? All these expectations of what should and shouldn't be happening. 
I think really get in our heads and keep us out of being in the moment, exploring what would make this 5% more pleasurable? What would make this 5% more fun? Oh my gosh, from the moment you get home to the moment we go to bed, how could all of this be intimacy? How could Mm. all of this be pleasure? How could all of this be foreplay? And I struggle with the word foreplay because it's just play. It should all just be play. <laughs> right. Right. It kind of yeah. like, like an appetizer. If you ever had a tapas meal, appetizers can totally be a meal. It'd be delicious and amazing. Right. I it's love just- that so much. Yes. First of all, I am so on board with that whole concept that everything is just play and fun and that there's this dance of sexuality and intimacy and that that can look like so many different things, because I love that it doesn't set a precedent or an expectation that there's something else or that there has to be something else. And I love this idea of enjoying what is without expectations and Mm. without thinking that it's not enough somehow, or that it needs to be something else or more or whatnot. I love that. And in our conversation before this interview, (laughs) you had mentioned if you could speak to this, because I just love the way you talked about it. It's probably again, no surprise for anybody who's been listening to the show that we talk a lot about trauma in other speaking engagements. I've talked a lot about trauma and how we hold it in our body and recognizing the signs of that, where we don't feel good or something doesn't feel mm-hmm. good. And that it's basically our body alerting us that we don't yes. feel safe or that something's yeah. going on, something to explore. And I remember you mentioning this idea of allowing the pleasure to unfold. And mm. I'm just so in love with this delicious juicy concept because it brings the concept of gratitude, focus on the positive and what you focus on grows to a whole new level for me. Mm. It just blew my mind in the most awesome way. If you could speak to that, (laughs) because I think you so eloquently and beautifully explain this concept. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love this question. So I think about what we are asked to do to function in society, so much of it takes us out of our body and puts us in our brain. Sometimes even having functions, actually a lot of the time (laughs) is a negative, right? Oh, you're going to the bathroom again. Oh, oh, you have cramps. You can't come to work. Oh, okay. Well, that's the problem with people with uteruses. Mm -hmm. We are really shamed for being connected to our body a lot of the time. And I think it's so important to begin to shift. Okay. I love my brain. I love how it works. And also there is so much wisdom to be had in my body. And I think that the key piece of this is so often in our society, we are taught to shine our spotlight out on others and identify, okay, what do others need? What do others want? What are they thinking about me? How are they receiving what I'm saying versus shining the spotlight in and saying, how do I feel? What do I want? What do I think? And when we begin to practice this spotlighting, we're not losing our empathy. We're nearly just checking in with ourselves before we take action solely based on that other focus. And when we begin to do this, we can identify what is going on with us, not just emotionally, but physically, because every one of our emotions is tied to a physical sensation. I truly believe that the energy of emotions, the energy of our experiences lives on in our body. And just like, if I asked you, what does it feel like in your body? When you're angry, you might tell me heat in my chest or not in my stomach, or what does it feel like when you're sad, you might feel tingling behind your eyes or a tightness in your throat. And every person has different physical sensations associated with emotions, but we know those are there for a reason to give us feedback, to give us information, to say, this doesn't quite feel right. I want you to turn in, shine your spotlight in, attune, identify 
sometimes a great question to ask is not even why do I feel this way? Because that can be a really critical question. What's wrong with me? Why am I so upset? It's not a big deal. But ask, what do I need? Mm-hmm. What do I, I love need? that. Yeah. And just saying, I'm just noticing there's some tightness in my chest. What might that tightness need? And mm-hmm. just like we are practicing a tuning into sensations that might be more difficult to feel, I think we have to build our capacity for more pleasurable sensations. How often have you felt like, Oh God, I'm having the best day. And then you have this intrusive thought of, Oh God, did I leave the oven on or, you know, like whatever happens that our brain is built to sense danger and protect us. And that's a beautiful thing. And we want that. And also sometimes it can overachieve. And so if we can be attuning to what pleasure feels like in our body, I'm having a great day. What does my body feel like when I have a great day? Or "Mm, I just had the best conversation. How does it feel in my body? Just to realize how deeply I connected to that person. Ooh, I just feel expansive in my chest. And I just, my face wants to smile. And I just feel this lightness in my shoulders. Hmm. Can I just be with that for a minute? What does that need? Oh, it just needs to be felt. It just needs to be acknowledged. Mm -hmm. And I think it's both sides of the coin. We're expanding our endurance to attune to our body and to our internal landscape in all capacities. And then also expanding our endurance to feel and be with all of those sensations. And it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. I love that so much. I just think it's such a beautiful way to kind of flip the script and start to notice and give ourselves permission to feel pleasure and notice the good and notice when does that happen and how does it feel? And I really love also the the kind way that you suggested to speak to when we're noticing that something doesn't feel so great, or it's an uncomfortable sensation to get curious about, Oh, like what would feel good right now for Mm -hmm. that? How do Mm -hmm. I ease that or soothe that? Or what does it want right now? Really, really beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. Isn't Rose amazing? I know. Her passion and enthusiasm for her work is contagious. And I love that she makes this often uncomfortable and taboo topic so accessible and straightforward. This actually ended up being a three-part conversation. So be sure to tune in next week as we share more wisdom about increasing your pleasure and intimacy in your relationships and how to set your kids up for success in this area as well. To recap, we discussed societal messaging and conditioning about gender norms, expectations about sex, the medical system's approach to sexual health and well-being and why it falls short, what holds most people back from having healthy and vibrant sex lives, and how you can start allowing pleasure to unfold in your life. The action items I would love to assign to you is to go and check out Rose's links below. She has a couple of free goodies for you to help you on your journey of having having these conversations and reclaiming your sexuality. And shoot me a DM on LinkedIn at Synergistic Step Parenting or on Facebook at Maria Nadapov to let me know how it goes and your biggest ahas and takeaways. Until next time, my friends, be well. Thanks for tuning into Synergistic Step Parenting Podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming platform so you don't miss a thing. If you like what you hear and you find the information helpful, please rate us five stars and leave a review letting us know what you like about the show on Apple Podcast. 
Don't know how? Don't worry. We'll include instructions in the show notes. And if you know of other step parents who can benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. John Swain did our theme music. Thanks, John. Thanks, John.